On this episode's intro segment with Grandma Belidi, I asked my grandma if hormone therapy was an option for her as she was getting older. So what was it like when you were, you know, you had my dad, John, then you had um, Laura and Gina as well. So what was yes. it like seeing the doctor and that kind of stuff back then? Was oh. it different as you were getting older and having children and that oh, kind of stuff? Absolutely. Then first, what, you know, when my parents had me or Laura had Jacqueline. Yes. I was, I was very happy to have you, to uh, have Laura, and uh, then I, I wanted her to Less have... Less happy for John? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I, well, I wanted to have another child, and I couldn't, I couldn't have another child. It took me seven years mm. to have, to have uh, John. And the minute that Dr. Lowenstein gave me uh, estrogen, I, I was became pregnant. And when was this again? That was for John's pregnancy. He, so that was that like 1962, 64. Yeah, yeah, Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Counter. We are here again for a second episode with Dr. Boyle, who practices integrative medicine, functional medicine, a uh, lot of other stuff too. Um, anti-aging. Anti-aging, all that kind of stuff. But this episode, because we're focusing specifically on bioidentical hormone replacement, which can be a hot topic, we have someone who frequently prescribes that sort of medication and someone who frequently makes that sort of medication uh, with John, who was a compounding pharmacist. So thank you again for being here. Um, so I guess we talked about it a little bit in the first episode, but what exactly is bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and why might someone want to consider that sort of treatment? So bioidentical hormones are the exact, the exact molecule of what your ovary or your testes would make if it were working mm -hmm. properly, right? So the compounder would take either a base like, a, you can correct me, but Mexican yams or soy, and put the uh, extract the exact compound molecule that would match the molecule of the ovary and the testes, being estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, and put that into a cream or a troche, which is a lozenge, um, uh, or a capsule, sure. right? And uh, you would, as a provider, I would see what a person would want or need from their blood work sometimes, from saliva testing. Um, and there's something called a blood spot, which is a capillary blood draw, which we use as well. And uh, when we get a baseline, we make a prescription. John fills the prescription. The patient uses the prescription. And then in eight weeks, we retest the patient to say, is this the right prescription? You know. So if we decide on a cream for a patient, uh, we would use a blood spot to retest. A uh, blood spot is a capillary draw. So when people use a hormone, uh, they put the cream on, the cream gets absorbed, it goes to where it's needed. It goes to the bone, the brain, the heart, where we have receptors, and it bathes those receptors, replacing the deficiency to balance the patient. But we don't want the hormone to be too high. Mm -hmm. We don't want it to be too low. If it's too low or too high, if it's too low, why take the hormone? If it's too high, we could be causing a problem with right. imbalance the other way. So we want it to be as true as it could to the exact molecule at the exact dose 
which is the beauty of bioidentical hormones. With a conventional hormone, we don't have that. We have kind of a one-size-fits-all. We don't even have to test. We never tested. Um, you know, uh, uh, as John was saying before, my background is OBGYN. So I did 150 deliveries in solo practice for many years. And how many days in the year are there? 365, right? So every other night, I was sitting with a patient in labor. Mm -hmm. How much sleep do you think I got? <laughs> how much caffeine do you think I took, right? And it was difficult, although it was rewarding. You know, it was miraculous to bring this baby into the world. But I became inflamed, imbalanced, okay? So I developed enough inflammation to develop autoimmunity. I developed five autoimmune conditions. And none of my colleagues could help me because they wanted to give me conventional meds, right. which I didn't want to take because that would make things worse. And they wanted to do surgery with uh, some of the uh, nodules that I had. And I said, I'm a surgeon. I don't want to do that. Right. So I found an herbalist, took some herbs, you know, nodules went away. I said, gee, there's something to this. Right. <laughs> So then I uh, did some acupuncture, and uh, as type A personality I was, I said, gee, let me learn acupuncture so I can do it to myself. Don't try that at home, people. It's not, right, supposed, right, right. not supposed to be done that way. Someone's supposed to do it to you. That's the whole energy thing. But this was the type A personality that, you know, listen, I'll get right back to the delivery. And right. so, 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 you know, I'll feel better from my joint pain, right? So, uh, you know, it just... Uh, the inflammation was worse and worse. So, and the people who know my story know that I said, you know, uh, I crashed, you know, I had to have an emergency hysterectomy and I crashed. And that was it. When I was healing from the hysterectomy, I said, I can't do OB anymore. Can't do it. Right. So I was doing GYN and I said, you know, something's got to give. And, uh, I started to train in functional medicine because they would find where the inflammation was. Now, at this time, being a surgeon, as inflamed as I was, my arm was palsied to my side. Mm. Uh, so I couldn't do anything. It was this arm, actually. I couldn't write my name, and I was a surgeon from the inflammation. Wow. Until I trained in functional medicine and learned how to heal myself. And I said, ah, I'm not going to be delivering babies. I'm going to be healing people. Hmm. So as you can see, I can write my name and I can move my arm <laughs> and the nodules are no longer there and the five autoimmune issues have been halted and reversed. Uh, so it can be done, right? So the balance, part of that balance is hormone and you take the hormone. Let me get back to that because inflammation is going to be key, I think, to some of our other talks. Sure. Um, but without the hormone, you can be inflamed. So if we give the hormone, we have to know, is it the best a dose? And so we would do these things. And the capillary blood draw is something that when you take the hormone after it goes to the receptors, you have to metabolize that hormone just like you do nutrition, right? So when you eat something, you're supposed to take out the good stuff, use it for your bone, your heart, your brain. Same thing with a hormone. You're going to bathe those receptors in your bone, your heart, your brain. If it's bioidentical, same molecule, you're right. going to be doing the right thing. But then you're going to metabolize it and you want to push those metabolites out to detox in stool or urine. Some will be in sweat, right? Uh, the liver will be bypassed a lot because you're using a cream. 
but you want to detox it and push the metabolites out. So just before the metabolites get to the gut, you can find it in the saliva or the capillaries. Mm. So saliva testing is nice, but it's a kind of inconvenient for the patient because they have to spit a couple right. of times during the day. Right. Uh, whereas they can come in without using their cream that morning, and we can do a blood spot and find the same information. Okay. Is it too high or too low? And uh, if it's too high, we bring the dose down. And if it's too low, we tweak the dose up. And, you know, you base that with symptoms too. It's not just... Sure, sure. Just not, and what most people don't realize is once people use a cream, you can't get the accurate levels with a, a regular venipuncture. Uh, it's already gone. It's in there. It's to the receptor. Right. Yeah, that's the fallacy. And so, so you can't chase it with a venipuncture. So you need to do something like saliva testing or... Um, Capillary blood draw. Gotcha. Yeah, so, so a lot of conventional wisdom says, you know, let's do some blood work. But the blood work doesn't even look at or measure things that would be measurable. Like like she said, when you're using a cream, that's it, already dissolved and it absorbed. So you can't you know, capture that. So it's it's unfortunately, it's useless. So you have to make sure you're looking through the right lens to make sure you're going to get a picture sure. of what's going on in the patient. That's actually what that ties in well with what I was going to ask, because I mean, that was an incredibly powerful personal story that kind of drew you to this type of medicine, I guess. And it's, it shows, you know, if you're not yeah, looking at where the problem is, you're not going to see the solution, that kind of stuff. So for patients who, I mean, even us at the, at the compounding pharmacy, you know, why might other conventional medicine have not have caught up to this or why might not everyone be looking at it through this lens, I guess. See, so when I was the gynecologist, uh, you know, uh, after, and now I've changed fields, but I still do some gynecology, but I don't do conventional meds because when you're uh, in med school, they teach you physiology and you learn it and you step out of med school and you start your practice and uh, a drug representative visits your practice and says, here, doctor, when your patient gets sick, give them this. And so you're doing medicine to kind of put a Band-Aid on after they're sick instead right. of what we should do is prevent our patients from getting sick. Right. So some of that ties in with the conventional estrogens because the drug representatives would come in with a study and say, here, your patient needs estrogen, give them this. But the conventional medicines like Premarin have nine different estrogens. And in that nine different estrogens, one is estrone, which is the bad actor on the breast for women and the bad actor on the prostate for men. But we're not giving Premarin to men, but just to let you know. And so those nine different estrogens come from horse's urine, mm -hmm. uh, Prem, Mare, In. Okay. So we don't have any receptors in the human body for the horse's urine. So we do know that when somebody takes this by mouth, it, oral estrogens really shouldn't be taken by mouth because you have to get through uh, to the liver to break them down and that's where coagulation factors are. So if you're going through the liver to break those estrogens down and estrogen is a coagulable hormone anyway, you might make a blood clot, right? And so that's one reason we shouldn't take oral estrogens. But the other is we have these nine different hormones that are from horse's urine, which we don't have receptors for. So where are they going? Right, right. So when we do a bioidentical hormone, which is the exact molecule, it's physiologic. We know it goes to the re receptor that we need. It's, it's a key and lock receptor. And uh, it's physiologic. You need to do it every day because it's going to be a 24-hour just like the urine or the testes would do. 
But for Premarin, we know that it's in the body for nine weeks. I don't know where, but we know that it's in the body for nine mm-hmm. weeks. So we know now that there is an increased uh, risk of breast cancer with Premarin. We know that there's an increased risk of blood clots from the World Health Initiative. So we were told by the drug companies that this is very safe, and we were prescribing it because we were told. And they brought in a study, and you prescribed it. But then when the World Health Initiative comes out, you know the things that can happen, and you say, well, why am I prescribing this? <laughs> you know, And not all doctors say that. But then the ACOG, which is the American College of Statistics and Gynecologists, said, you know, listen, use the lowest dose for five years and then take them off of it. Right, and so, the, that, yeah. so the lowest dose still contains the estrone right. and the uh, horse's receptors, the horse's urine receptors. And what do you do after five years? The women who have no symptoms for five years now regain their symptoms because mm-hmm. they're still in menopause and then the symptoms come back. And it's, it's, it's just not uh, even feasible why people are still using this. Yeah, know? I mean, at this day and age in 2020, it's, uh, it's unfathomable, honestly. I, I think that the neat thing about um, how you practice and then how you work with compounding pharmacists like at our, our place is that we can work directly with the patient and we can, the, with the three of us working together, um, make the perfect medication right. so that we can help the patient, that person specifically. So that's the uh, the real beauty in that. And, uh, and it's really special to be able to do that because of, um, you know, her approach and then with us following her instructions of what she needs us to make and the patient uh, taking the medicine properly and using it and making sure we instruct them on how to use it. And, you know, hopefully we're going to get a good outcome, but you're, you're not giving too much, you know, cause we're, she's monitoring that. So you don't have where the other thing was just a, just a, a, a dose that could be for, you know, it's too much. Most of the time it was too much, even at the lowest dose, it was too much. So here, you know, because too much can, is, is, is a bad thing. Even if it's a, even a good thing, like a hormone, which we need, too much of it is a bad right. thing. So. so is that where some of the, you know, hot topic risk factor fear comes from for hormone therapy in well, general? Well, the, the fear comes from what's portrayed of hormone. The hormone it, it portrayed by the media or portrayed by ACOG is just a conventional hormone. Hmm. They're not using any of the studies from the bioidentical hormones. They're just going with, this is the conventional, so all hormones do this. But there were studies that said, you know, no, bioidentical hormones are definitely safer. Uh, They're small in number because bioidentical hormones are not driven by big pharmaceutical companies. So you're not going to be having the studies that are being done that like a big pharmaceutical company. Gotcha. And, And so you have a small smattering of studies. And so big pharmaceutical companies say, see, it doesn't matter. There's not enough studies. But you know, the studies are proving that it is safer, that that were done. The, the problem here, here is that, you know, there, there, there's quite a bit of bias, I think, when once you, you're doing studies, you're trying to promote this particular product you've invested billions of dollars in. So you're going right. to, you know, you're, you know, the studies, it, it's not, it's not a, it's not an unbiased process. So you have to really, you know, look at. But, but even big pharmaceutical companies, studies show Premarin causes, is a cause of breast cancer. Mm. Premarin is a cause of blood clots. You know, and we're still, it's still on the market. So it, it tells That's you crazy. tells you something, right? Yes. Yeah. There are also studies, just on a side note, that say that, you know, some of the dementia drugs don't help. But really? they're very expensive. They're very expensive and they're still there. Hmm. But the studies show they're not helping. 
So it's a catch twenty two. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's another reason. So, but like when you're looking at all these different things that we face, if we're trying to age optimally, and we talked about in our last episode, um, that's why I think that it, it's a fallacy to just tell patients that at, once you've reached a certain age, you don't need hormones anymore because everybody's trying to do their best to get healthier, to, um, to live longer and have a quality of life that's, you know, great. And so if you're living into your 90s, it's not, you know, uh, God willing that if you can, then, then, you know, all these different things like hormone replacement are, are, should be part of that because that could actually help prevent things like uh, Alzheimer's and, you know, dementia and other things like that, right? Right. So, right. right. One of the good benefits of it. So is in this... the right doses, in the right doses. Sure, sure. Well, in the right doses, is this treatment for men and women? We were talking about it a little bit before. So how does this treatment work for men and women and how is it different, I guess, for the therapy? Well, I think, you know, men uh, start to lose testosterone. Right. Women lose estrogen and progesterone and testosterone. So when you treat a male patient, you're going to give the testosterone Mm -hmm. uh, to replace the deficiency. But you have to test so you know that the male is not converting that testosterone into estrogen. Gotcha. Because if a male is stressed or has gained weight, he's converting. And you need to know that. And that's why sometimes... Sometimes we can put chrysin in, which is uh, helpful to right. decrease the estrogen levels. Um, and, you know, loss of weight, mm-hmm. proper diet, all of that. But you still have to monitor what uh, the testosterone levels are in men, just like we did in women. And there is something, interestingly enough, called the testosterone calculator on the internet. Oh, that, yeah? That everybody that I have on testosterone, when I do their blood spot, I plug them into the calculator. And I can tell whether they're on too much or too little just from that. Hmm. And you have to know that because too much testosterone is going to make more estrogen. So I have some people who come to me from different physicians who are injecting testosterone. And an injection of testosterone is really not the physiologic way to take testosterone. Uh, the gels or the creams are the physiologic way. Um, the, the injections give you a bolus of testosterone and then it drops. Hmm. And then you have to inject it again. So it's really not physiologic. It's a high dose. And it's really kind of considered doping, you know? Uh, And it's not really the way that they should be doing it. So if they come to see me, they're doing it from an anti-aging point of view. If they want the injectables, they have to do it with someone else. Sure. But the people who did come in and I do their blood work from taking injectables, their estrone levels were in the thousands. And these are men. So, and they're developing the breasts because that's what estrone does. And, And, you know, it's from injectable testosterone. Interesting. So is that kind of the first step? Like if someone was, you know, experiencing some of the symptoms we talked about in our first episode, I guess the first step is like, I mean, outside of just, you know, generally trying to figure out what's going on, testing people's levels. And that's kind of where you start from there, I guess. So how does that, I guess, what's that process like? Well, if a patient comes in with symptoms, the first thing we do is blood work you know, because it's a baseline. Mm-hmm. So once they start a hormone, you have to think outside the box, how are we going to follow this? Because it's gone once it's in there. But the baseline is a venipuncture. And the baseline is to check their vitamin D levels, which is, vitamin D is, is not just a vitamin, it's a hormone. And it's a hormone that protects men against prostate cancer, protects uh, females against breast cancer. It protects us against anxiety and depression. It protects us against lymphoma. And all that protection has to happen 
if your levels are between 50 and 90, mm -hmm. closer to 90, okay? The lab says that you're okay if you're 30. You know, you might be okay because less than 30 is deficient in the lab, but you're not okay for protection. Sure. Protection should be 50 to 90. So you want to know what the vitamin levels are. You want to know what the cholesterol levels are. You want to know what they're doing in terms of, like we talk about, uh, detox, because if they're holding on to inflammation or toxins, th they won't uh, do as well with a hormone because they really won't metabolize it as well, right? So all of that comes into play and all of the testing has to be done to be um, uh, kind of personalized, which you didn't have to do with conventional medicine because it, it was too high a dose. Right. I see. And, and where did it go? No, no. Sure, sure. And actually adding on to that too. So we started off this episode with a little kind of introduction from my grandma who actually, which I had no idea for, I don't think it was you, was maybe it was Gina. Um, yeah, for my younger sister. For your younger sister, yeah. My grandma actually took some progesterone in order to be able to, you know, kind of facilitate that pregnancy, which I thought was interesting. Because one, I had no idea that happened. But two, that was done in the 60s yeah. compared to now. And I thought this was a much more kind of newer practice and that kind of stuff. Clearly, I was, I was wrong about that. But yeah. Progesterone is the uh, relaxation hormone. It's the hormone that keeps hair on the head besides the thyroid. And progesterone is an inducer of ovulation. So if a woman is having infertility problems, there could be other things going on, but sure. definitely progesterone is, is one that's involved sure. and has to be directed and addressed. Sure. Interesting. Interesting. Um, is there anything else as it relates to you know BHRT in general that you think is kind of important to mention along with where our discussion has gone thus far? Well, you know, just in general, I think that it's it's all about balance. Right. You know, if if the whole complex being that we are, part of it is hormone, part of it is vitamins, part of it is enzymes, part of it is what we eat, part of it is how we sleep, the water like we talk about, um, and decreasing stress. Mm -hmm. You know, it all has to be part of the package in order to be balanced. And so I think bioidentical hormones are part of that package, an important part. Right. Um but it, there's other things that go along with it as well. Sure, sure. Right. I mean, if you're just doing your prescriptions and you're getting that the hormone, and but you're not watching how much rest you get, not watching what you're eating, not exercising, doing all these other different things, you know, it's, it's something the medicine can only do so much. That's right. Know? Sure. Cool. Well, thank you again for joining us in another insightful episode. And we will see you guys on the next episode of Behind the Counter. And like we mentioned, the last one too, for more information about Dr. Boyle, and her website, that link is provided here as well. Feel free to check it out and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. On the next episode of Behind the Counter. Cool. How about birth control and plan B? Is there a difference? I mean, obviously I know one doesn't necessarily, plan B doesn't really require a prescription, even though it does require a consultation with the pharmacist at least, right? Mm -hmm. So what's the difference and is there a difference? There is. There is, um, obviously. The